Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. This is the Christmas special part two featuring Krista Elijah, and we're going to bring on in a second. I'm so excited. I love Christmas. I got my I got my hat going on, that whole thing. And then I have my second Star Wars sweater, which is actually a playoff quote. It says, I find your lack of cheer disturbing. So um, I'm excited, you guys. I'm I, This this episode is going to be really good. We were looking over the notes before the show, and you guys are in for a treat. Um, very fresh, very now words. Um, so I wanted to welcome my guest today. She's the founder of Arise Kingdom Ministry. She is an amazing prophetic voice. Um, she's an evangelist. She's all she's Wonder Woman. She's awesome. So let's welcome my guest today on the Christmas special, Krista Elisha. You are the coolest person I know. Oh. I swear to goodness, I love it. Fun? It's like a little mini Christmas village. You know what? It kind of all, I feel like I'm in a Pee Wee Herman Christmas special, which is wonderful because, um, regardless of how some people feel about Pee Wee Herman, it yeah. you know, invokes nostalgia in me because uh-huh. <laughs> my dad loved it. And oh, so man. I was just, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. That's awesome. So That's I just awesome. love your creativity. Oh, thank you. It's so funny because my husband is, um, so he's from Jewish lineage, although he's a believer now, Mm -hmm. but, um, he, I've been trying to have him like get involved in my digital media stuff for like the longest time. And he's like, no, I'm just not interested in it. Mm -hmm. Well, then you doing your intros and these little things, he's like, man, now I want to know how to do that. And I thought it was so funny. I'm like, the Gentiles are provoking the Jews to jealousy because now (laughs) now my husband wants to get involved. It's so great. Yeah. 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 Well, I can certainly teach him some of my ways. So, oh, I know you guys have to hang out. You're like, You guys would be such good friends. Yeah. Well, even the one time when I was helping you, because I, it, for those that don't know, I uh, made her intro and her outro on her YouTube channel. And so Lit. during like, we would have, we had like a little conference call uh, to go through stuff and your husband sat in on well as well. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I liked him. He was cool. He's a cool dude. Yes. So, yeah. So, and so my daughter. Yeah, yeah, what's your pretty like it's your birthday? Oh, I love it so (laughs) much. Jesus on turntables. Yes. Which Jesus is getting ready to turn some tables here. Yeah. Real soon in the nation, I'm gonna tell you. We're definitely gonna get into that too. So yeah. So you recently were at the Reawaken America tour, Clay Clark's tour. Yes. Talk about that just for like a quick little a little hot minute. Little hot minute. Yeah. No, so that was really um so interesting connection to Clay Clark. So um a lady that got saved through my one running video, um, she was watching some prophetic words that I was releasing about, you know, the elections and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And um she was actually in the Capitol on January sixth and saw all of that. And long story short, um, she ended up at the first reawaken, which was at Rama Bible College. And she left there. She encountered the Holy Spirit there, um, left there, and she felt like God was telling her that she had to have me come out to Oklahoma and host this revival. So come to find out, that ended up being the fulfillment of a um, 
one, well, Clay Clark is part of a uh, Kim Clement prophecy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Rama Bible College um, and the that was part and the spark that would come out of there that would like ignite revival and uh, overcome this communist Luciferian agenda. Mm-hmm. That was part of a Kenneth Hagan 1963 prophetic word. And so I didn't know who Clay Kirk was. I didn't know anything yeah. about all of this stuff. And I ended up getting weaved into that prophecy from Kenneth Hagan and found out about it after we had already made plans and we had got the tent and all this stuff for the Oklahoma outpouring, which was amazing. So um, when when I got home from that, the Lord actually told me that I was supposed to be at the, um, the Dallas event. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, am I supposed to buy a ticket, you know? And and he said, no, he said that he would open up um, a door for me to go there. And I was like, okay, well, there are things I talk a lot to God and I don't always remember everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just true. I don't. Mm-hmm. And um, I had totally forgot about it until somebody who uh, has recently joined the Reawaken tour, um, Clay calls him the Billboard King. Um his his name is Robert and uh, his wife, Jamie uh, Ag. They've been posting these billboards um, with truth about um, the jab information. Mm-hmm. It's funny. They didn't know that our tent ministry was called Nisi, Jehovah Nisi, raising a banner or rallying under the banner. Yeah. And their whole ministry for these billboards is, is raising a banner for the Lord. Wow. They call them banners. They didn't know yeah. this. And so anyway, he reaches out to me and says, I feel like you're supposed to be a part of this. And um, they're amazing people. I can call them friends now. And um, they made a way for me to come down. Amazing. And uh, it was so fun, man. I just like, I didn't, I wasn't speaking or anything. And that was totally cool. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't need a microphone to spread the fire. Exactly. I just weaved my way around <laughs> through the conference and just prayed for people the whole time, prophesied over people. Yeah. Um, it was really cool because I've kept myself very separated from uh, mainstream news, even from conservative news. Um, I don't watch other prophets. Um, Except for sometimes when the Holy Spirit lets you, right? Yeah. Every, like a few times where you're. Yeah. So yeah. usually, I mean, if, if, if I'm allowed to, or I'm released to the Lord will say like, no, you can, you can watch this because it's either going to be educational or it's going to confirm something that he's already told me. Um, but it's mostly because, you know, I just want to make sure that my prophetic flow is pure. Right. Um, so I will tell you, I don't watch any of the other prophets on Elijah's streams. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only been a few times that I have, and that's been when, like months after the fact, and somebody sent it to me like, oh, this is confirmation or, uh, you know. Yeah. So. Well, okay. So I kind of jumping right into your word. So. Before we get started, a lot of you are going to notice if you've been watching all the episodes of Elijah streams this whole week, and then now in Elijah fire, um, a lot of what she's saying is stuff that Robin Bullock, not all of it. There's a lot that she said that he didn't, but she's going to hit on a couple of things that coincide with stuff that Robin says. And I can attest that even if, even if she had seen that episode, 
weeks ago, she and I were talking on the phone about this stuff. So the, oh, yeah. the fact that they all coincide together is pure Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not nothing that anybody planned. So I was really stoked when I saw the notes. I was like, oh, yes. So, yeah. so I'm excited too. Yeah. Um, and it's always so great to hear that, like, oh, Robin Bullock or somebody said something similar. Cause um, I don't know, I feel like I'm young and I'm kind of goofy and I'm just mm -hmm. really childlike. And so when I see these amazing stoic, you know, well-known prophetic voices mm -hmm. and then like, uh, and the Lord speaking to me the same thing, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh, cool. You know, like, yeah, yeah. God, I can hear you. It never stops being exciting. For oh me. yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he was giving me these downloads, um, you know, weeks ago actually about some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I felt like, uh, we should just like, I should just release what happened on the plane down there. Yeah. Um, and then we'll just kind of break it down. Is yeah. Cause cool? you sent this to me like, right. Not maybe not right after you landed in Dallas, but it was shortly after at least. And you're like, don't tell anybody only show Lauren. Who's my wife. Yeah. I don't know. And so that's what we did, but, uh, it, it's, it's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Cause some of these, I, you, I mean, obviously like I'm happy and joyful. I don't release, um, judgment. Somber, yeah. Yeah, I don't do that lightly. And I actually asked for multiple confirmations before I ever released this word. Mm. Um, and I actually released it at Reawaken America. Um, and I felt like I needed to do it there. It was with a flyover conservatives, with which they're amazing. Um, I think they're friends with Johnny Enlow. Mm -hmm. Um but I released it there and the enemy did not want it out because he made all of their sound equipment shut down. And so they didn't get any of the audio. And I'm like, wow, okay, so there's an attack on this. And then the next day I was supposed to go re-record it. And I was up all night long with a terrible toothache to the point where I could hardly open my mouth. And so um, usually when there's warfare attached to a word and releasing it i know that it's from the lord it's you yeah. know what I mean? so before we go any farther can you do me a favor and just pray for connection with this recording so that you're able to actually get it out yeah i was actually doing that during the intro but i'll do it again yeah so yeah. uh in the name of Jesus, I take authority over all the works of darkness, and I take authority over this broadcast, over the internet connection, um, and over the atmosphere. In Jesus' mighty name, I decree that no weapon formed against this broadcast, against mm -hmm. this word, um, will prosper in Jesus name. I release angels right now to protect and uphold the internet connection um, and to deal with any demons that might be in the lines in Jesus mighty name. Mm -hmm. And father, I just thank you that this word will go forth and it will produce fruit. God, that your word when it is released, it begins to shift the atmosphere and shift destinies, shift regions, and uh, whoa, for generations, God, shift lives. And so, Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to release your precious word, God, um, Lord. Um, and we just pray that, uh, whew, wow, that people will take hold of it and they will run with it. Mm -hmm. 
uh, for your glory, God. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was actually, I was on the plane when I got this word and I was, I was just trying to soak in the Lord. I wasn't really, you know, just, I always just enter in with adoration. Um, so I wasn't really expecting anything big like this. I wasn't asking God any big questions. And, um, it was on December 8th actually. And then I went into this vision and in the vision I saw, uh, 70 million uh, unborn babies, and they were all standing as witnesses in front of the Supreme Court judges. I've never been to the Supreme Court, um, and so I don't know what it looks like, um, but I saw 12 judges on 12 thrones, and the voices of the children were crying out day and night in, in the ears of the judges. I saw that there were two men, the vision changed, and there were two men that I knew were Supreme Court judges, um, and they were in bed, and they had these really opulent houses, I remember, mm -hmm. but they were tossing and turning um, because they couldn't sleep because the voices of the unborn were tormenting them, and um, the children were saying, let me live, choose life, and not mm -hmm. death, and um, I knew in my spirit that these men had essentially made deals with the devil um, mm. and that they were, they were compromised and um, that it had to do with money. Uh, but that we were to pray for a spirit of conviction and the fear of the Lord um, to mm. fall on them um, and that they would not receive peace at all until they chose life. Mm. Um, I saw, so then the vision changed and I saw a witch and she was really crazy and haggard looking mm -hmm. and, sh and she was screaming in, a t in an attempt to intimidate the church or intimidate me in the, in the vision. Mm -hmm. But usually I represent the church or the bride of Christ. Okay. Um, and then I saw a warrior bride rise up with a sledgehammer and she smashed her, the witch's teeth out. Um, the witch ran into a house to hide and it was a white house, um, but it was like a dingy white house. Okay. And then I saw this glorious, radiant white church building, like white church house fall on top of the house she was stand or she was in. And it crushed the witch's house. And um, it reminded me a lot of what happened to the Wicked Witch and the Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was praying into the interpretation of that. And um, I continued to have a vision, which I'm not going to share because a lot of it was very graphic. And um, it's just symbolic but I have the verbatim words of the Lord that he gave me while I was simultaneously having this vision. Mm -hmm. um, and this is what I heard him say. Uh, he said, I will demolish every word spoken from worldly wisdom, and I will prove the foolishness of those who think they are so wise that they are to they dare to rival me in their arrogance. My words of truth will be as a hammer to destroy their arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of who I am. My house, the glorious ascended remnant church, is going to fall on the houses of your government. 
from the White House to the Senate House to the House of Congress to the courthouse to the bank house to the House of Representatives. And those who have been a false representative of righteousness will be dismantled along with their dynasty built on the blood of the innocent. They will be taken by surprise as their wicked platforms are crumbling beneath them even now as they plot and conspire against me and my people. I'm scattering their speech even as I did at Babel. I'm sending the fear of the Lord and releasing a spirit of confusion into the camp of the enemy. In their frustration, they shall turn on each other like ravenous wolves, for indeed they have been as wolves in sheep's clothing leading my little ones to the slaughter. But now, says the Lord, the cup of their iniquity is full, and they will drink from the bitter cup in which they have prepared for themselves. For even as the bowls of intercession are being poured out as answers to the fervent prayers of my ecclesia, so will I pour out my vengeance against my enemies. Their time has ran out. No longer will they harm my lambs. They have said in their hearts, we will buy, sell, and trade the children, for lust is a lucrative market. No one can touch us, for we have built an empire on the blood and bodies of babies, and those who have tried to stop us we have overwhelmed by our own strength, for we know surely God is dead. But I say, woe to those who have turned what was made to be holy for my purposes into defiled trading tables managed by murderers. Woe to those who have sold and slaughtered the innocent on the altar of Baal, for I am coming with a whip and a stone a whip to crack the backbone of their argument and a millstone to hang about their necks to crush their pride to dust. I will cast them into the sea of forgetfulness and blot their names out from the book of life. The monuments they have erected for themselves will be defaced, even as I am removing their face from the honor rolls of history. And not so many years from now, the world will weep when they read of the atrocities of abortion. Watch as I am performing a great overturning in the heads and hearts of your nation. Even the unjust judges are weary of the nagging pleas of my church. In the days ahead, there is coming three red waves, and my people will see each wave bring overwhelming victory and justice to the land. I will do this even with the illegitimate ones seated in the White House. I will do this to be a sign that I, the Lord, am the only one who can save a nation. For I will not share my glory, nor will another man be exalted as your Savior. You may think you lost the battle, but watch as we have already won the war. Although the enemy came in like a flood, I, the Lord, have raised a standard against him. Welcome to the year of Jubilee, where the red wave of redemption will come in as a tidal wave of justice and reform. For it is high time, and I have hastened my word to perform it. Tell my people it's time to prepare for the return of the prisoners and the release of the child captives. As they step out to fight, I will not allow them to fail, for the battle belongs to me, and I never lose. So arise and shine for all to see. Hoist the torch of freedom as a beacon once again to the tired, the poor, and the hungry. Liberty bells are ringing. Can you hear the alarm? Awaken, O sleeper, and rise from your slumber, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness is black as night, covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you, America. It has been said, as goes America, so goes the world. Yes, watch, as they watch for you carry the legacy of liberty, 
with gospel preaching pilgrims, pioneers, trailblazers, reformers, war heroes, and freedom fighters from every tribe, nation, and tongue in your very veins. Mm -hmm. The cloud of witnesses is standing this day as a witness to my words over this generation. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. My angels are even now releasing new assignments, blueprints, and destiny scrolls to those who are willingly to violently take hold of my word and run with the enforcement of my kingdom. I am releasing the mantle of George Washington over my remnant now to empower them in this fight. The nations of the world look to you. Yes, all nations will come to your light. Oh, say, can you see? Everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home in your arms. The smallest family will become a thousand people and the tiniest group become a mighty nation. The time is right and I, the Lord, will make it happen. Go through the gates, clear the way for my people, build up the highway, remove the stones, lift up the star-spangled banner over the peoples. My banner over you is love. Look now, your salvation is coming. Indeed, I am coming to your aid and my restitution comes with me. Beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, praise for heaviness, and a double portion of honor for your shame. I will do all of this for the glory of my name, for I am the Lord who shows mercy and compassion to a thousand generations on the descendants of those who love me. The cloud cries out, and I have not forgotten them. Man. So when you were seeing this, was it where your eyes closed or was it like, was it a full blown vision? The things that you were seeing while you were hearing this, what was that? It was that like, it's very, it's hard to kind of describe what happens to me. Um, because some words, you know, come over time with different things. Other times it's very much like what happened to, uh, Jeremiah or Ezekiel when they were actually taken up into heaven. Mm -hmm. And, and I believe, um, how it comes for me a lot of times is um, it's a panoramic vision that I have with my eyes open a lot mm -hmm. of times. And I am sim like, I'm simultaneously seeing a movie happen and I'm usually texting out what I'm hearing God say. Wow. So um, that's usually how I, how all of these mm -hmm. kind of words happen. Um, other times it's a vision will initiate something and then his voice will speak to me. But, mm. um, this one, I was simultaneously seeing things and typing. Yeah. So, so, um, what do you feel released to elaborate on with this word? Are, were there any impressions about specific people? Uh, specific things within maybe government or society that this applies to? Oh, uh, yeah. What was, what was your impression off of that? Well, I mean, obviously, like the Lord is going to be dealing with with government stuff. Yeah, um, yeah big time. Um, you know, there is like the cup of iniquity being full. I mean, iniquity, when you translate that word, it means consequences for sin. Mm. And, um, Jesus 
ultimately paid for believers. He paid for our sin and he paid for our iniquities, right? And our diseases. It was all laid on him. Mm -hmm. But for those who are not in Christ, that's a very different picture. You know, the uh, Israelites were not like Abraham, he was not able to conquer the promised land that God gave him because the iniquity of the Canaanites had not been full. Mm. Um, with Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, their cup of iniquity had been had reached its fullness. And it all ties back into the law of, you know, the 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 governmental spiritual law of Yahweh, which is you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. Um and this is what people choose for themselves, depending on, you know, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap a harvest of corruption, you know, and if you sow to the spirit, you'll reap eternal life. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, with everything that has been going on for, for decades in our nation, um, they have, there is a cup of iniquity that's full. I think that, um, one of the big things that God showed me is that he, I had another prophetic word that I released before this where the Lord showed me the bowls um, of incense that were the prayers of the saints that mm-hmm. were being poured out. Wow. And so what's interesting is that the, not only are the prayers of the saints being poured out as answers to prayer, but that simultaneously this cup of iniquity is full and it's being poured out. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that really caught my attention in this was uh, – he was releasing the mantle of George Washington, who yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. I wrote it down. Yeah. And it's today, a big one. yeah, it is a really big one. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, <laughs> so today is actually 1214. Market guys. Market. market. Yeah. We did not plan for this. No. I did not even know this. Mm. And I was praying yesterday and asking the Lord for any, you know, specific insight. And he said to look up the anniversary of George Washington's death. And I did. And I found out that today marks 222 years since the the passing of George Washington. And I'm like, what in the, like, this is wild. So uh, 222 is a number that follows me. Um, and has since I got saved, but I've always recognized it as like signs, wonders, and miracles, keys to the kingdom, um, separation from enemies. There's a few other things in there too. Two, actually, in the Hebrew, it represents a faithful witness and the fact that it's multiples of twos. Um, and this word specifically is talking a lot about the cloud of witnesses, um, was really. That really stood out to me. So for those of you that are watching that you don't know, the cloud of witnesses is referenced in Hebrews 12.1. And uh, if you read Hebrews 11, that's what a lot of people call the hall of faith. And that talks, it mentions all of the uh, patriarchs and matriarchs of our faith um, who didn't receive the fullness of their prophetic promises and we're, we're waiting for the fulfillment of Jesus so that we could be brought into the fullness of faith with them. And so the cloud of witnesses is people who are alive in Christ because 
Christ. The Bible says that he's not a God of the dead. He's a God of the living. And to know Christ is to know eternal life. And so if you know Christ, you have eternal life. And that means that even when you shed this skin suit, you're still alive in Christ. You're not dead. Your body, you know, you've just changed forms. You've passed from one realm of reality into another. Um, and you're still alive. And um, the cloud of witnesses is that's part of those who are alive in Christ, who are are in heaven, and there are ancestors that went before us, um, and are they're very interested in you know the fulfillment of our race being ran well because we're carrying a generational torch, so to speak. Um, there are generational callings, anointings, blessings. You know, there's a reason why in the Bible we've got whole books that are just people's names, like so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. Yep. And I mean, and it's wild because like we want to skip over all of that, but each one of those names is a full life that was lived, that was somebody important to God, that had a plan and had a purpose that they were supposed to sure. fulfill on earth. And um, each person after them, you know, was supposed to help carry that generational uh, torch on to the next until Jesus comes home. And uh, Hebrews 12 talks about that, to lay aside every sin and thing that easily besets us so that we can run this marathon race um, to its completion. And Jesus is our high prize at the end of mm -hmm. the finish line, you know? So um, it's interesting to note too, that when Paul mentions the cloud, he was actually using a Roman reference to the top row seating of a Colosseum. They called that the cloud. Oh. So, okay. so if you think of like, you know, how everything in time goes in, circles to God and cycles. And then you can see like levels of a Colosseum and then how the one, you know, the, the top rows are the ones highest to the clouds. Um, that's where, you know, our ancestors are sitting, looking down on, at us fighting in the no. Colosseum, you know, mm -hmm. um, cause this is, we're in a battle. It's cosmic you know, we're in a cosmic war between the kingdom of heaven and darkness, right? Mm -hmm. But so much more now than I think that people even really re realize. Um, yeah. I think that a lot of people are, um, they don't even understand like what kind of major revolution that we're in right now. Yeah. And, um, and that we're in many ways, we are kind of in uh, a war of sorts that we just don't even you know, it's just, it's a, it is an incredibly unconventional one. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. It's totally different. It's, you know, it's an information war. It's mm -hmm. a, you know, it's a biological war. It's, it's, um, there's so much that we don't even see or understand and it's crazy, but the Lord speaking about George Washington specifically and the connection with the 222, so I was asking the Lord about, you know, what exactly is a George Washington mantle? Mm -hmm. And, you know, George Washington, he was considered a, he considered himself a citizen soldier and he was a civil servant. 
He didn't recognize himself as a great leader. He was just a civil servant. He was humble. He didn't like grand titles. He was self-sacrificing. Um, he really gave up a comfortable life at Mount Vernon, Vernon mm -hmm. on all of his lands um, to, you know, be a president. And um, he was brave. He was fearless in battle. Um, he was known for white, riding his white horse, Nelson, um, in the crossfire and never getting hit. And some of his men thought like that he was there was something wrong with him because he was either immune to fear or he was just extremely brave and bold. And I feel like that is rising up in the remnant. And this is going to be people, it's not just going to be people in the church um, or in like called to the religious mountain. I feel that this is going to be people called to all the mountains yeah. and because they all connect. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that it's going to be new politicians that are going to be, you know, raised up new um, civil servants, new war heroes. Um, and so another thing that I thought was really funny is God kept highlighting the fact that George Washington's horse's name was Nelson and he was a white horse. And it made me think of um, Jesus and Revelation riding a, a white horse and his name was faithful and true. And the name Nelson means champion. And so I really feel like there's going to be oh. champions of faith who are faithful to Jesus and who are uh, committed to the truth uh, that are going to rise up. Um, George Washington created new technologies in um, getting information across to all the colonies, which I thought was nuts. They came up with the first invisible ink that the British knew nothing about. That's right. Yeah. Um, he also, I thought it was really interesting that. When I found out about this, he was a patriot who, okay, so he lost more battles than he won, yet he won the war. Yeah, he won the war, the battles that counted. <laughs> what was interesting yeah. was that he actually took Native American battle tactics and he deployed like ambush attacks. He did not go by the the rules of the the British officers and their war rules at all but it was like surprise persistent ambush attacks that wore out the enemy over time to where eventually like they just gave up because there was this persistence you know mm. um the other thing that i thought was really interesting was he was the only president to free all of his slaves mm-hmm yeah. Um, and I also thought it was really interesting that, um, he had an extremely diversified cabinet, more diversified than any others that we've ever seen. And, um, he was able to rally and unify all these different cultures in the colonies, but he also honored and, um, deployed women, African-Americans and, um, and Native Americans, all under the same cause, which was freedom. And I'm even like doing this, and I guess I kind of look like, you know, Labor Lady Liberty. Yeah. But speaking of Lady Liberty, she was French, and she, our statue was given as a gift to our nation because George Washington was even able to win over the French, who were his former enemies in the French and American War, or in um, French and Indian War. 
So even people that he previously fought with, he was able to rally them and become allies with them. And Mm -hmm. it was actually his enemies that gave us sea superiority over British's uh, naval fleet, which Mm -hmm. I thought was amazing. Yeah. And he also was a praying man and he always was future minded. And so I feel like as I'm like reading over all this, I'm like, dude, yes, Jesus is doing all of this. He, This is like a, it's a type of person that he's raising up, you know, in this hour. Um, because it's this kind of person that understands unity, um, that is going to be brave and bold, that's going to be willing to be a civil servant, get their hands dirty, give like essentially yeah. love their life, not unto death. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, for the sake of a future generation that they'll never know. That was yeah. the other thing. George Washington had no biological children of his own, but he always, everything that he did in his presidency, he knew would be looked at um, and scrutinized because it was going to set a precedent for all of the other generations and all the other presidencies to come. Well, and another thing that's really interesting. So by the way, everybody, a a great book uh, about the forming of America is called 1776 by Peter McCullough. I highly recommend it. It is really good. Um, And it's told from a very unbiased or as unbiased as you can be, I guess, perspective. Um, it doesn't paint people in these like picturesque things, but it, it's interesting because even in the midst of that, you can't deny a lot of these attributes that Chris is talking about regarding George Washington. And the inter- interesting thing about George Washington too, is that he, before he took, was a general of the continental, you know, army, he, he didn't really, he was he never had like a ton and tons of combat experience. Um, and he was in, in, if anything, he was also kind of an underdog in that regard as well. Um, and leading the army of, um, people. And it's interesting too, how, how many things that he, he was involved in that people, their conclusion, even back then was, we know no other explanation other than this was divine intervention. Um, yeah. even back then, but also that, that book really paints a good picture about even where we are as a nation right now, where we're divided on all these different issues. And you have Christians on one end of the, you know, the other side, I guess, from where we stand, where they're like, guys, obey the laws of the land, like just keel over, show your belly. Um, and, um, and it really painted a very clear picture of me to, to see, Oh, this was an issue back then too. Like, the I always assumed that the issue of British rule was like a yep, all of us here in America, we we want him out of here. And it actually was not that way at all. Uh, it was very divided, where you did have pastors or reverends on one side saying, You guys are in sin, you guys are doing the wrong thing, you're being insensitive, you know, you're not preferring your brother. Um, and so uh it's very very parallels today a lot. Um, obviously we're not fighting a physical war, you know, but, um, yeah, so it really does. I mean, the more, the more I research this stuff, the more I'm just like taken aback, like, wow, God, like 
we really are in a revolution. I mean, revolution is it's a violent takeover from one authority to another, but it also means to go back to the origins of mm-hmm. something. And it was interesting, you know, to see as I'm researching, like, wow, God, like we had pioneered, we have people in our blood that we have forgotten about. Okay. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. Now, back to the show. And most Americans, almost, it's like 10% of Americans can trace their lineage, their DNA back to the Mayflower. I'm one of them. Mm. And to think about what our forefathers sacrificed, like they knew when they came over here that there was a good chance that less than half of them, their babies, their spouses, their mothers, their fathers were going to survive the first winter. They had no idea what they were coming here for other than on a word from God. And it was to get away from the tyranny of another government who was enforcing unfair, um, you know, laws on them. I mean, some of the Christians that had separated from the Roman Catholic Church were being martyred. Um, I mean, and it was to get away from that so that they could have a place where they could worship God freely. Um, and now we're all these generations later, and our own government has slowly allowed, you know, deception and defilement and sin to creep into it. And this is the thing that the founding fathers prophesied. They said, we want to make sure because we know the way of man and because we know our history with Roman, you know, they studied the Romans and all this stuff and, and other governmental experiments. We, every uh, citizen will have the right to bear arms and to rise up against an establishment that tries to steal their liberties. And that's where we're at. And people, we have just allowed it to go on for so long to to where it's at a point now that if there isn't a line in the sand that is drawn, you know, our grandchildren are not going to have free. They're not going to know what freedom looks like. Mm-hmm. And um, and that is scary. And, you know, I know like, yeah, OK, I mean. For me, when it all first happened, like, okay, it's just wearing a mask. But do you know, the like in the Bible, the word hypocrite, it literally means to put on a mask. Hmm. And wow. the reason why is because the church, that was actually judgment on the church. God told me it was judgment on his house for being hypocrites, for playing the part, but not actually believing and being who he called us to be. Hmm. And like I, I, for me personally, I can't play the part of a hypocrite anymore. Um, It means a pretender or an actor. Like we need, the church needs to rise up and needs to be the church. And um, I really feel that not only is this like, you know, a social, you know, economic, governmental, like revolution and reform, but this is a reform of the religious structure and the religious mountain too. Mm -hmm. And um, because those two mountains affect everything, Uh, they affect Mm -hmm. all the other mountains. And Mm -hmm. um, so 
I felt too, the Lord was really highlighting. Um, I'm sorry, I'm fired up now. I feel the Holy Ghost. All yeah, right. you just go for it. And, um, you know, I'm just, for me personally, I have been very careful about what I release um, on certain platforms because the Lord, you know, told me to be careful about what I release because he's given me the platform that I have to, uh, to reach unreached people groups for the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have, but I'm feeling for many people that there is this, um, it's reaching a boiling point, you know, and, um, it's not going to go on much longer without major upheaval because America was founded to be the forerunner of evangelism in the world. The only time in the history of our nation that that has ever stopped, where we have stopped, you know, sending out the gospel to all the nations in the earth um, with missionaries, the only time it ever stopped was when the, the shutdown happened. It was the only time we didn't have. Boots yeah, that's a really ground. good point. So, but what the enemy meant for evil, God uses for good. And so, hello, you know, hallelujah, like even Zuckerberg, you know, ended up fulfilling the commission because, you know, he's got all these people preaching the gospel on Facebook Live and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, uh, there's a huge shift that's coming in a crossover essentially. And I thought I'm, I'm researching it too. And I, I didn't know this previously, but the Lord was kept showing me a vision of George Washington crossing the Delaware. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing a picture of that and knowing that it like happened in winter. So I'm like, I wonder, I wonder when that happened. And um, I looked it up and it actually, he crossed the Delaware on Christmas Mm -hmm. And it was one of the greatest war moves Washington, you know, ever made. Mm -hmm. And um, that victory uh, and then two others subsequently following that was what shifted the entire war um, and the outcome of the war so that we could have our liberty. And um, the other thing I just want to say that I absolutely love about the American experiment was that one of their founding principles was that our nation uh, was founded on the truth that God is the one who gives us liberty. Um, and apart from God, you cannot have freedom, mm -hmm. but that every man was created equal and we had these unremovable rights from God for life, for freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. And um, if you look at what our nation today is now saying, it's very different. Yeah. It's that they're trying to be God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're trying to be God. Yeah. And they're trying to tell us when we're allowed to be free. Well, and, and yeah. And with that, the, the thing that's interesting too, kind of going back to like how people are saying, I was having a conversation with a friend. And he was like, you know, the Bible's very clear about what we're supposed to do with obeying the laws of the land. And I was like, yes. I said, but how do you explain it? Because he's a patriot. I said, but how do you explain away the Revolutionary War then? Because you agree that that was right. And he goes, that's where I'm really struggling because I do think that. Um, and I, I started thinking about it and I was like, 
Obeying the laws of the land is all well and good when the people that you elect, it's like, but what do you do when the people that you elected, who are your peers, they're not your betters, they're your peers, you elect them to represent you and to uphold your freedoms and they are not doing that or they're setting up laws and then they are then not abiding by those laws, getting caught. And because they're so well connected, it's just, it gets that information just gets disappeared. So I'm just going to, I'm going to be bold. I'm just going to call out the governor of my state, Oregon, who has set up mask mandates, has said that she wants to set up possibly permanent mask mandates. And she goes to a party in Washington, D.C. and is caught without a mask on in a group of people, hundreds of people without a mask on, you know? And so it's, it's that type of stuff that this is what we're talking about, where they're not our betters. They are our peers. Yes. And we need to hold them accountable. And I'm not talking about violence, just in case anybody is yeah. going to take this out of context. I'm not talking about violence, but I'm saying we do need to hold them accountable for their decisions. Right. We do. And it doesn't need to result to violence, but what right. it does need to result in is the is people, civil servants taking action. Um, because we've really allowed our cushy American lifestyles to uh, make us super comfortable. I don't even say our Western lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Make us super comfortable, fat and lazy. Like, oh, I'm just going to have this live the American mm -hmm. dream. Well, guess what? Like, you're at risk of losing the American dream. And aside from that, why, if you're a believer, why in the world would you want the American dream? Wouldn't you much rather have God's dream for your life? Yeah. I mean, like, this is an opportunity in history to um, really make your life matter for something. And you know, we need the gospel is not just a matter of of words, but power and demonstration. Mm -hmm. There is there is a responsibility to move out in power, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, and demonstration, which is action. It means walking out your convictions, and that is you know with this spirit. Maybe I I even caught some of that George Washington you know mantle mm -hmm. today because I'm feeling like you know we need to get out and we need to take action and we need there are people that need to be straight up voted out of office and mm -hmm. there needs to be you know terms that are limited instead of allowing 30 and 40 year you know uh office you know stints or whatever like Pelosi has been in office for what over 30 years yeah. why yeah I don't yeah. understand like I mean if she was Honestly, like I was an entrepreneur, I owned a business. If I had a lady like that showing up to work for me, I would have done fired her. So yeah. why has she not been voted out? I mean, she showed, I mean, and literally, I mean, and, and I mean, I, I want to honor people, but it's on the same hand, it's like, it's gotten to a point where it's like, come on guys, it's time to wake up. Like God is saying, look, the mm -hmm. cup of iniquity is full. What side of history are you going to be on? You know, like, are you going to take the right side of history? Are you going to be a revolutionary? You know, are you going to be a hero? Are you going to um, measure up and answer the call and step up to the plate? Um, are you going to, or are you going to, you know, I hate to say it, but be a disappointment to the, you know, the lineage that we came from. Yeah. Um, I, I, for me, for one, you know, I am not, I cannot be on the wrong side of history. I allowed the enemy to steal so much of my life before I knew Jesus mm -hmm. um, that 
I wake up every day looking for a way to kick the devil in the teeth and destroy mm -hmm. hell. And um, I mean, literally, you know, you think of like Paul Revere, right, who warned that the British were coming mm -hmm. versus, um, you know, the other guy who ended up being a traitor. Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold. Yeah. Like. I was just watching a documentary the other night and I was like, man, God, like in our, in our day and age, people are making decisions about how they're going to be remembered mm -hmm. or whether or not they're going to be remembered. I mean, in this prophetic word, the Lord straight up said, like, I'm going to wipe their names from the honor rolls of history, yeah. you know, yeah, um, heavy, that's a heavy word, you know, yeah. but with the 222, so I know we're getting up on time here. Mm -hmm. I want to just, so the, what is really crazy is the Lord actually told me to um, look in Troy Brewer's Numbers That Preach book. Um, it's a really great book. I have people ask me about prophetic numbers all the time. Link not... is in the description. We got a link to the book in the description. Of this oh, video. sweet. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I don't get anything from promoting this book, but mm -hmm. it's good. So 222 can, um, in the scripture, it points to signs, wonders, and miracles according to Acts 2.22. Um, but it can also mean a witness to the manifest power of God and how he wants us to go after his manifest power. Mm -hmm. According to Genesis 2.22, it's intimacy and unity. And then this is what shook me, okay? Because I didn't even realize that this was in this book. But 2.22 is connected to American revival. Wow. So American Dude. revivals tend to be poured out on dates with, with the number 222. History shows that on 222-1906, Black evangelist William J. Seymour arrived in the city of, of Angels, Los Angeles, California, and the Azusa Street Revival, the greatest move of the Holy Spirit on this side of the world, began. Maybe it's a, an American thing because 1776, our nation's birthday, is two times two times two times 222. And George Washington's birthday is 222-1732. There it is. Mm -hmm. um, it can also mean being hidden from your enemies, um, waters of healing, which I really do believe that we're going to see like a massive move of like of healing, like a healing revival again, separation from your enemies, separation from people who hinder you, um, the revealing of deep and secret things, according to Daniel 2.22, dreams and visions for guidance, new wine and new wineskins, mm. finding your place in the body of Christ, great acts of faith, and incredible stability in God in an unstable world. And um, I have to say that I believe truly that all of these things we are going to see next year in 2022. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that we need to be watching in February for incredible moves and outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Um, so we already have um, things planned to put the tent up in February. And we're praying into that, um, talking about doing a reverse trail of tears, um, to make it a trail of joy and bring mm -hmm. back a harvest. For those that don't know the trail of tears, um, is, 
Uh, I even looked up just to get the details just right. It took place between 1830 to eight, or 1850, and it was a massive displacement and ethnic cleansing genocide. It was genocide of, of Native Americans and displacing them from one place to another. Yeah. Um, and so that is a, a source of pain, rightly so, for a lot of Native Americans um, right now. So just yeah. those of you who needed a refresher. And to get into that, um, we don't even realize how wicked that was for us, considering that Native Americans fought alongside of us mm -hmm. in the Revolutionary War. Yeah. And then um, it was one compromised president. Um, who was the highest voice? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who was the highest authority in the land? Who was petty? He was also a racist. He did not like Native Americans, um, which is funny because he didn't like Native Americans because he shot or he saw my great 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 grand uncle, who was um, a son of Daniel Boone, because I'm a descendant of Daniel Boone, saw him get shot and or and killed by um, a Native American. And uh, just thought they were savages. But I'm like, even Daniel Boone liked Native Americans um, and forgave them afterwards. I thought that that was a really cool part of my history. But um, I also have Cherokee, uh, Powhatan, and Choctaw uh, nice. in my family line. And um, realizing that Andrew Jackson was the one who instituted, like he instituted the Indian Removal Act which was a huge betrayal um, of our allies who helped, you know, establish our free nation. Mm -hmm. And then he was also the same guy that put the law um, into play that says that pastors and ministers of the gospel are not allowed to talk about politics from their pulpits. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, so we see just, you know, going back to that cup of iniquity being full and the so reaping and sowing is that because that was sown into the, the nation, you know, the baby place of our nation, um, that terrible iniquity, it has reaped consequences over time. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting that a lot of people don't know is if you go to some of these reservations, it's like communist states mm -hmm. because they are totally dependent on the U.S. government for their housing, for all their needs, and they're neglected. Man, I didn't even think about that. It's terrible. Yeah, I mean, wow. And – um. So the Lord was speaking to our group. He's put us in connection with some really amazing people um, about, you know, there's been prayer walks on the trail of tears um, to repent. Mm -hmm. um, but he said that it's time for those who have sown in tears to come back carrying their harvest with shouts mm -hmm. of joy. And so um, we're actually planning on taking the tent um Lord willing and, you know, people willing to step up and be of service to help us backwards down the trail of tears um, with the the purpose of declaring the gospel to bring in a harvest. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, I'm really praying that, you know, repentance, it's not just changing your mind, it's changing the direction that you walk. Mm -hmm. And um I've been praying that God would open doors for 
the Native American nations to be restored their land and their rightful, you know, land that they received uh, or that they had that God gave them uh, before Andrew Jackson had them removed. Um, and that was terrible. They moved in the wintertime and their babies died. You know, their parents died and they were sent awesome. to, to a land that nobody knew. Um, you know, it, it was awful. And you know what else is really interesting? If you go to the native, the, to the Cherokee nation, um, headquarters in the museum in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and you're looking at the documents on the wall, um, there's a document that says, that an illegitimate government made the decision for the Cherokee Nation to be uprooted from their homeland and that the Cherokee Nation did not recognize that government. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash donate and become a partner today. And they actually took the two men that were responsible for that and drug them out and killed them. Because they made decisions for, as an illegitimate chief, an illegitimate government, to uh, barter with the U.S. government and had their land stolen and all their their babies and their parents killed on that terrible journey, put in concentration camps. And um, so sounds kind of interesting, too. Uh, Illegitimate government. um, Yeah. You know, and and history is a way of repeating itself if you're not careful. Yeah. And so we really need to uproot this thing. And one of my personal prayer um, assignments that I've been pressing into is that the Lord would raise up, um, you know, attorneys and people in government that would, you know, maybe there's somebody hearing this right now that they're going to rise up and they're going to reach the Native Americans. And they're going to overturn this communist um, situation that we have in our nation. It's mm-hmm. happening in our nation. Why do we keep seeing this communist agenda agenda raise up? It's because it was as a seed in seed form. It's here on the reservations, mm-hmm. and that needs to be dealt with. You know, yeah, I agree. Um, and and these people, these beautiful, beautiful people. These First Nation people need to be given back their rights. They need to be given the ability to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, to be able to make an honest income, to be able to sell and trade their land Mm -hmm. if they so choose, you know, to be able to have businesses on their reservations. They're not even allowed to have that. They have to travel miles and miles and miles to get work outside of the reservation, you know? I mean, it's it's awful. They Mm -hmm. live in a welfare state. Yeah. And they are beautiful. They're powerful. And, um, you know, and the other thing, too, is less than 3% of them know Jesus mm. because Christians did this. Christians did this to them. Yeah. And a so, lot of, a lot of, you know, I know that. Um, and oh, for the record, everybody, I know there may be some Native Americans watching who are like, well, hold on. Not every reservation is, uh, looks like a concentration camp or no, anything no, no. like that. But there are some. And I know you guys would agree. I've talked, I have a, a dear friend of mine who's uh, part of the Salish tribe up in Montana. And he, he has even t- told me, he's like, yeah, not every reservation is bad, but there are some who there's pockets that don't even have running water or electricity, you know? Um, but I do know that alcoholism, drug abuse, 
are rampant in a lot of these reservations as well. And it's so, generational trauma, yeah. you know, um, and, and that's really what it is. Like, I didn't even know that I had Native American in my family tree. God just sort of, you know, my whole life is a prophetic parable and like he'll reveal these things because I know that he's called me to, to be someone who stands in the gap. I'm an agent of reconciliation, you know, mm -hmm. um, but it's just, uh, I have, I, I found out that I do have Cherokee and to find out that, you know, even as early as like, or as late as the seventies that communities like, uh, Bell, Oklahoma, they, they didn't have running water yeah. and the government didn't do anything for them. The U S government, there's actually a movie called, um, the Cherokee word for water. And it was these communities, um, in Cherokee nation who they had to go out and they had to dig their own water lines before the U S government would even fund it. Wow. You know, I mean, it's things like that. It's just the rampant injustice and, I'm, I'm very, I don't, I don't want to complain. I don't want to be negative because that's not what I'm trying to do. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm zealous. I'm zealous for justice to be returned mm -hmm. to the land. And, um, and I, I, I know that as I'm speaking and I'm releasing these things, uh, people are, are receiving that same zeal mm -hmm. and, and it's not, um, it's not going to seem so far away or some kind of like obscure thing. You know what I mean? But like God is giving them blueprints and he's calling out things in their heart for them to do. And he's giving them permission to give birth to them, mm -hmm. which kind of leads us to, um, you know, the, the crossover at Christmas with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, George Washington crossing the Delaware and winning that war. Um, when I was praying into that, the Lord was telling me to release today that um, just as Jesus crossed from, you know, Mary's womb into the world, that many of us are crossing over um, into long-awaited prophetic promises being birthed. Come on. Um, you know, I feel like we have been under a lot of travail and a lot of pressure. And um, he said that the pressure was just the contractions of the birth pangs. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, you know, Mary's name means bitterness. And Jesus, his name means salvation. I really feel like in the place of bitterness, in the, in the places of our bitterness and our brokenness and in the darkness, that God is, that we're going to see um, salvation and victory be birthed. Um, I also felt the Lord say to not despise humble beginnings because he delights to see the work begin. And, you know, he showed me like Mary and Joseph and they were like the equivalent of every parent's worst case scenario, right? Like they were teenagers, not married. They were mm -hmm. homeless. They were poor. And they're literally having a baby in a barn. And she got pregnant by God. Of course, that was like other people looking at the situation. Yeah, like this she is did, like, but yeah, right. And I mean, like, and I even thought of that. Like, how many people would look at that family and look at that situation and be like, "Wow, what a waste!" Or yeah. they're, they're going to amount to nothing. And mm -hmm. yet, it was 
God's pleasure to use the most humble and despised beginnings as the origin of the birth of his son, who was God in flesh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, you know, and who was going to be the savior of the world in that generation and every generation to come. And, um, you know, the Lord was just speaking to me about how humble things birthed from his heart will eventually create a huge impact for generations if we steward them faithfully. Mm. And, you know, I, he even gave me the analogy of like tiny acorns producing mighty oak trees and how that's creation preaching to us about tiny things becoming great big things. Um, you know, if they're planted, I, he was also, uh, he brought up the fact that like Mary and Joseph, they were poor. They didn't, I mean, for me as a mom, like, I think when I have a baby, I want to have a stable house to live in. I want to have a nursery set up. Like Mm -hmm. I would go, I mean, I used to get rid of my animals when I would get ready to have a baby because I was, I didn't want a cat hair to be on my baby, you know, (laughs) like I was so worried about germs and stuff. And you know, you want to make sure that you have everything that you need for them, but really that's not the way that God usually does things. And in the case of Jesus, you know, they didn't have anything. They were in a barn Mm. and it wasn't until they had the baby that all of a sudden three Kings, three wise men show up with gold, frankincense and myrrh. Mm -hmm. And that financed, um, not only them going to Egypt, but also Many scholars believe that it financed the beginning of Jesus's ministry 30 years later. Mm. Um, So God always provides for himself. And I just felt that for many people today, or, you know, if they catch the replay of this, that, you know, we've been holding on to these long awaited prophetic promises. And it's almost been like a hope deferred Mm -hmm. where we're like, God, when is it going to happen? Is this ever going to come to pass? And For some of us, we might have even forgot about these words, but that there's a quickening happening and there's going to be a suddenly crossover, a suddenly birthing of these things and um, not to get too hemmed up in like the details or waiting for things to be just right or perfect. They don't have to be. We just have to initiate it. We just have to manifest it, like get it out of our spiritual womb and into Mm -hmm. reality. Um, And then God is going to bless it and he's going to bring the wise men with the finances around that vision to to prosper it um, and to finance the mission that you have. And so, um, yeah, I feel the Holy Spirit really, really heavy on that. You know, there's lost dreams that are awakening. There's um, long forgotten prophetic promises that you have been pregnant with. And the Lord says it's time for the crossover. It's time for these uh, long, cold battles that you've been fighting uh, to finally come to an end. Uh, we're going to see victory after victory after victory. Um, yeah. And even with that, the Lord is speaking to me right now about, you know, it was strategy and, and that, you know, George Washington's men, they sacrificed a holiday, right. To go out into the cold, to fight a battle. 
they did it on a day when nobody else would want to fight. And it was one of the reasons why they won. Yep. And um, that that is even speaking to some people that, you know, don't be surprised if the strategies that God is giving you um, are different than what you would expect. Um, if it sounds like it's something that you don't even want to do um, or nobody would want to do uh, because God works in those places. Yeah. And I mean, like for me, I went on a run one day with my phone, hot mess express, oh, mess. you know, <laughs> tore up from the floor up. I mean, you know, <laughs> a train wreck literally. And um, all I had was Jesus and my cell phone and a heart that wanted to be obedient. That was all I had. And um, I did, I just did it. I did what most people wouldn't have done in that Mm -hmm. moment because it was uncomfortable. Mm. And that's what launched my ministry. And um, almost every other time that God has promoted me or he's whatever, it's always came through a moment like that where Mm -hmm. I had to die to myself. I had to die to what I wanted. And I just had to say yes to him. Yeah. And And even, you know, I always kind of joke, um, but it's kind of a serious thing um, is like, consider yourself blessed if you are hearing God and he's asking you to do something you don't want to do. And the reason why is number one, you're hearing God. And number two, whenever God asks me to do something, I don't want to do. It makes it very easy to hear him. Because it isn't what I want to do. It's not what you want to do, you know? And so consider yourself blessed that God, the creator of the universe is asking you to do something you don't want to do. Like it is a blessing because let me tell you, and Krista, you can attest to this, that it's those moments. It's, it's where those are the moments where I've seen the most change within myself for the better. I never once regretted doing something I didn't want to do because God was instructing me to. I've never once regretted it. So be encouraged. Yeah, be super encouraged. Yeah, God's talking to you. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I I think that there's always a death to self. You know, in order for Mm -hmm. us to understand, like to experience the power of the resurrection, we have to, you know, share in his sufferings Mm -hmm. and the crucifixion of what we want. Mm-hmm. for the sake of what he knows is best. And mm-hmm. so um yeah, so I just I pray for that. I pray that yeah, Lord. you know, God, we just we just thank you so much mm-hmm. that um it's in the crushing and in the pressing that you're making new wine, Lord. That um that there is a travail. The Bible says that there is a travail that comes from God. And that travail is actually giving birth to your plans, to your purposes in the earth, Lord. And I just pray right now in Jesus' name, I come against the spirit of abortion Mm -hmm. and the spirit that would try to abort the people of God's prophetic promises over their life that they have been carrying in their heart, like Abraham for 40 years, um, Lord, that they would recognize that the pressure that they have been under is actually the contractions to push that thing out, to pray until something happens, Mm -hmm. to make your dreams manifest God. Mm 
And Lord, I just pray too right now that even as we're speaking, and today being the 222nd anniversary of George Washington's passing, Lord, that right now, everybody under the sound of my voice, Jeff and I included and illumination behind stage, God, that we would receive a piece of the mantle of George Washington, that we would be willing to be humble, civil soldiers and servants for the sake of your gospel, Lord, that you would raise up a new millennial generation generation, uh, salvation army that would go forth with, with boldness yes. and with fire to, um, to bring in this mighty harvest or this great harvest of souls, Lord. God, I just break off hope deferred. Yes, I break Lord. off the spirit of depression and heaviness in Jesus' name. Yes. And I just release the wind of the spirit right now to blow away the fog of war, any spirit of confusion that has been in distraction that's been trying to block, that has been trying to block people from seeing and hearing what God is asking them to do in this hour. Mm -hmm. And Lord, I just pray for a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit and fire to be witnesses, God. Um, Lord, we need the fire. We need the water for the remission of sins, but we need your fire. We need the oil to be a witness. Mm -hmm. And um, so, God, I just thank you. Um, we are in massive anticipation for 2022, God. We are so excited, Lord. Mm -hmm. And I just pray right now that everyone under the sound of my voice, God, that we do not miss this history-making moment, mm -hmm. that we will be on the right side of heaven and of history. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Man, yes. That was good. Aren't you guys encouraged, everybody? That's like, it was great. Yeah. So, okay. So we're going to shift gears really quick just to cl close out stuff. And then we'll, uh, you are going to participate in the Elijah Fire Christmas questionnaire so really get okay. going okay i had to do it again i don't okay. know why i like it so much okay because it's awesome it uh, is <laughs> okay so question number one and everybody feel free to play along with this we're gonna have some fun um and you can put in the comments below your your you know question there's gonna be six questions okay so question Damn. number one you're walking down the street. You're feeling you're feeling great. What holiday song would be playing in the background or playlist? Do you have any favorite Christmas songs? Oh man, I'm trying to think. Well, probably because I have a little boy who's funny. It would be like Jingle Bells, but mm -hmm. like not you know the Batman Smells version. <laughs> um. I also really like Santa Baby, and I think my favorite is probably I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. Oh, really? Yes. I love it. Yeah. It's fun. It's a fun song. It is. It is. Okay. Um, what do you have? Okay. So what is a cherished family tradition from either childhood or present day that you have from Christmas? Do you have any? 
Yes, we have two. And uh, my mom loved Christmas and she also loved miniatures. And so she actually collected little miniature Christmas houses. No way. Yes, they're so cute. And um, so every year we add to our collection and uh, the collection actually got, uh, you know, inherited to my daughter and I. And so, and it's huge now. So it's like on this big, long table against That's the wall, amazing. but it's a whole little village and it lights up and there's little animatronics and it has like a little water mill and snowmen. Um, so that's one that we always add to that village and everything in it is like a prophetic picture or like it represents somebody in our family Aww. or something that happened in the year uh, that was significant for us. So there's that. Um, and then the other thing that we do is that my Christmas tree, all of our ornaments are sentimental and they're all prophetic too. So uh, one ornament every year will be a picture of one of my kids or the dog and um, all the way up from when they were newborns. So instead of having like pictures on a wall, we'll have the kids pictures on ornaments that they get to make. Oh, cute. Or um, they'll be like, you know, prophetic symbols. Like um, there's all sorts of stuff. Like I have a rooster on there for awakening or mm -hmm. um, I have a police hat for my Papa Scott, who started my YouTube channel. Uh, He's a police officer. So mm -hmm. uh, we'll just put ornaments on there that remind us of people that we love. How fun. How fun. Yeah, I I ended up getting this um, a viewer, Jim. God bless you, buddy. He's a good friend of mine. He gave me this. It's a it's a little miniature Star Wars light up house. Oh, my God. It's called the merriest house in the galaxy. And yeah, I just cool. absolutely loved it. So, yeah, it's mini, too. It's like. Yeah, so it's great. Oh, yeah, we'll so, have to add to that. Yes. Um, okay, so uh, question number three. Do you have a favorite Christmas memory from childhood or adulthood or maybe both? Yes. So my favorite Christmas memory from childhood was probably when I was like, I think I was like 10 years old. And I remember you know, there was a lot of us and, um, just living on one income. So mm -hmm. I knew my parents really didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, this one Christmas stuff was really tight. It was really hard. My dad was a truck driver, so it was also seasonal work. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were just overhearing conversations, like knew that we probably weren't going to get very much. Mm -hmm. And there was one thing that I really wanted and it was a baby born. Um, I don't know if you remember what that I think was. I do. It was a baby doll no. that looked like a real newborn baby and you would feed it and it would poop. Mm -hmm. Yep. I know? remember it. And I yeah. just, yeah. And I just, that was the one thing that I wanted, but it was like super, I mean, it was like a hundred dollars back then. So, Jeez. you know, that was like out of the question. I knew that I was not going to be getting that. Um, and then instead I woke up in the morning and I had a baby born. Wow. And um, I just remember like crying because I was so <laughs> thankful. And my parents actually got, got it on recording and I just couldn't stop telling them thank you. Um, because, you know, I got this doll that poops. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I love it though. That's a great memory. So, okay. Uh, do you have any favorite memories from adulthood? Any, any from recent years, favorite Christmas memories? <laughs> I think one of the funniest ones that we have, I mean, really honestly, um, one of my favorite Christmases ever was the first time that we had a fizzy wigs Christmas ball at the revival rooms. Um, all of the leadership dresses up in like old uh, Charles Dickens type oh, costumes. Dude. And my husband dresses up as an antique Santa Claus, which he loathes me for doing. But um, <laughs> it's he's got to play the part. Yeah, he doesn't have a say in it. Yeah, he doesn't have a say. Yeah. And um, but we spent hundreds of dollars and got prophetic gifts and put them in a big bag. And then, um, all the leadership went up and um, we pray and we pull out gifts from the bag and then we ask who in the congregation it belongs to, and we give them the gift with a prophetic word that goes with the gift. And, wow. um, so those are my, my favorite kind of parties that we have. Um, mm. but I think one of the funniest adult memories that I have was when my daughter was like two years old and there was a terrible snor snowstorm here and we were living in an apartment and I had all my arms full of like leftover food and all of her Christmas presents from visiting my parents. And we're trying to cross over from this parking lot um, where we could park cause it wasn't full of snow in through some woods to get to the back of my apartment. Cause our parking lot had not been cleared and we're walking and my daughter has her little snowsuit on. And one minute she's behind me like singing and I turn around and the next minute she's not there. And I flip out, throw presents everywhere. And I'm like crying and desperately looking for her. And I hear a giggle like coming from under the snow. And I'm like, what in the world? And I look like over this little embankment and her face is all much <laughs> in her snowsuit. And she had like fallen, I guess there was some ice, but there was no water. And she had like slipped under and like, and she was hidden in all this snow and her little face was there. Oh my God. And she was giggling and I pulled her out like, oh my God, you know, I'm never letting you walk in the woods again. <laughs> But that was funny to um, find her that way. She was always such a happy baby, you know? Cute. Cute. Okay. Question four, which I mean, I mean, maybe you have another answer to this, but you kind of answered it. Uh, what is the best Christmas gift you have ever received? The baby born. Baby born. That was a pretty good one. You know, I don't, I don't really know. I think that um prophet i love prophetic gifts um mm -hmm. but jesus is really like the best christmas present i ever received mm -hmm. i know that you know people say that he probably wasn't born on christmas but i don't think that he minds that we celebrate that he was born on christmas mm -hmm. and um especially with like how much joy there is to be had around this time of year and i obviously recognize that for some people it can be kind of tough but uh, yeah, but there is a lot of joy. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we have to focus on like the good things. And I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm really grateful for Jesus at Christmas time and just the wonder of the season. Um, I don't, I usually don't get a lot of Christmas presents, um, but cause I focus on my kids a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, but I'm blessed by presents throughout the year. 
And I'm just really blessed to be alive on Christmas. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) You know, and like, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, question number five is what is the best Christmas gift you've ever given? Mm. Oh, Jesus. There we go. Yeah. Actually that party that I was telling you about, um, one of my friends, Rylan, uh, Isabella, she was not saved and I was just loving on her. She was coming to the salon to get her hair done. And the, one of the first things I invited her to, um, was that Christmas party and she got a prophetic gift wow. and it was so crazy. She said that on her way there, cause she was like a metal head and like, didn't mm-hmm. believe in God. She said on her way there, she said, um, to God, she's like, I'm such a hypocrite. I don't even believe in you. And you probably hate me. If you are there, you, you hate me. Well, she gets to the, to the party and we're praying for her. And, uh, I heard the Lord say, he says he doesn't hate you. He actually really likes you and he loves you mm. and she loses it. And oh like, and that was really, um, I believe that that was when she started believing in God and believing that he was good. So mm. I'm thinking like, yeah, Jesus was totally the best thing that I ever yeah. gave as a gift to anybody. Yeah. Christmas. That's, a, that's an awesome gift. And a very memorable one too, you know, it's, I know. It's the most memorable. Okay. So final question, uh, you wake up and you realize that you're in a Christmas movie, which movie would it be and why? Oh my goodness. So <laughs> I don't know if my husband is going to see this, uh, but I feel like if it were any movie, it would be the Grinch. Okay. <laughs> because. I am usually like super happy, like Cindy Lou Who. And uh, my husband can sort of be kind of grinchy when he wakes <laughs> up in the morning. And he has a big heart, but it just kind of takes a while to get it warmed up and get it working in the morning with some coffee. And, yeah, you know, yeah. he like, he takes, it takes a minute for him to get his bearings. So I don't oh, think that he would try to steal Christmas, but just sometimes his attitude in the morning can yeah, be kind of yeah. grinchy. He's kind of a grump. Kind of a Grinch. Just a little bit. That's great. That's great. Uh, All right, everybody, put your answers in the comments. We want to see them. Um, so, Krista, you're a great friend. You're. Uh, I am just honored to know you, um, and you're just such a blessing. I know to to thousands of people. And so, thank you so much for closing out this year with me on Elijah Fire. You've been a great champion of this show and of me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so thank you. All the way. You guys be nice to my friend, Jeff. They are nice. He's wonderful and he's anointed <laughs> and he's powerful. And he's a, he's a prophetic voice to this generation. Mm-hmm. And he's pioneering something that, um, that your children's children are going to benefit from. Mm. And He's also, Jeff, you are making the prophetic and the supernatural um, and the voice of God relevant to the mm. millennial generation. And not just to the millennials, but to the 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 Zs too, or the mm. Xs. Or no, it's the Zs. That's my daughter's gender. The one below us. Um, yeah. you're, you're making it relevant. And um, it's super important. You know, I, I love that you are you're the face of the new flavor of 
God's voice. Mm. And um, I, yes, that's, I am a, I'm kind of protective of you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think like, yeah, I appreciate that, Krista. That's great. Thank you. Oh. Thank you for that. Thank you, you for know. that. And you'll be back, you know, you'll be back. Oh yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. We're going to be old. We're going to look like Steve and Kat. Yep. One yeah. day. Well, okay. Krista, how can people follow you on social media and such? You can find me by going to KristaElisha.com. Um, and actually the website's under construction right now because we got lots of cool stuff coming, but there's a link to my shop site and there you can find the link to my podcast, to my YouTube channel, to my Facebook and to my Rumble account. Um, or you could just go to Crystalisha Joy on Facebook, Crystalisha on YouTube, or Get Lit with Crystalisha on Rumble. Mm, nice. And all of those links are in the description. Woohoo for links. They're, they're all there. Yeah, you can <laughs> click them to your heart's desire. So, yes. well, everybody, that is our show. If this episode blessed you, give it a like, share it with people, share the Christmas joy, and um, also this word is that Krista releases is just really encouraging to the body. And so people, there's a lot of people that need to hear what she had to say. Um, and so, um, yeah, so everybody be blessed. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description for more info on how you can donate today.